gentlemen, my name is Charlie Ungamak, and you are watching the Gird Up Agogi. This is the place where we teach young men to be the men that God created them to be. Today's topic is self-control, so stay tuned. We're going to dig into what it means to really control myself today. As many of you know, I used to be a teacher. In fact, I still do teach classes in middle school right now. But one of my favorite things about being a teacher ever was going on field trips. And I, ah, man, I miss those field trips so much. Particularly one field trip. When I taught fourth grade, we would go on a big field trip at the end of every year to the state capitol because that was the year we learned state history. And we would walk around the state capitol buildings. We would go see the Senate chambers. We would go talk to different senators and congressmen from the state legislature. We would get to visit all the historic sites in our state capitol. And then we would go have lunch on the state capitol lawn. We'd play games. We'd get to interact with kids from other schools. We would even stop by and visit the state university in town and see the cool campus. It was a great field trip. It was a ton of fun. But my favorite thing about the field trip wasn't actually anything that we learned along the way. None of that was my favorite. My favorite part was watching my kids walk from point A to point B. Why? Simple. That was the moment that we really started to understand and our students really started to understand that what we were doing in my classroom, what we were doing at that school was really something special. See, most teachers and most schools, when they go on a field trip, it's kind of like controlled chaos if it's controlled at all. Kids are running everywhere. They're on their absolutely worst behavior. Teachers are pulling out their hair and are either threatening kids with consequences when they get back to school or calling their moms or putting them back on the bus, or they throw up their hands in the air and they say, you can't control these kids anyway so we're just going to let them run wild. Not me, not us, not my school, because we understood the importance of teaching kids self-control. Obviously, the whole point of being self-controlled at school wasn't so we would look good on a field trip at the end of the year. But what I, and eventually many of my students and many of my fellow teachers understood was that in order to get the most out of school, both the book learning, the academic learning that they needed to do, and the preparation for life that happens in a school building, in order to get the most out of the school experience, we need to have order in the classroom and in the hallways. Anywhere where there is school, there needs to be order. And of course, that doesn't mean that we have to hide any joy, that we need to stifle any personalities or hide the things that make us special. That's not true at all. In fact, it's just the opposite. The more order there is, the more genuine opportunity students have to express themselves, to have fun, and to relax in a safe and happy environment. But in order to create that order amongst the chaos, we need to have a few good rules that are very strictly and lovingly enforced. Now, God tells us in the Proverbs that if we train up a child in the way he should go, in the end, he will not stray from it. He's going to keep walking in that path of righteousness even when he is old. And this is a very important thing in the life of a Christian because God's laws aren't a bunch of suggestions about things that might make our life better, that might make us happier, that might, you know, keep things going smoothly in our daily lives. God's suggestions for us, God's laws 
for us as his people are specifically designed to keep us away from sin and keep walking on that path of righteousness so that we might spend eternity with him. God knows that certain behaviors here on earth are going to put our faith, our souls, and therefore our eternities in danger. So he forbids those behaviors. He gives us guidelines for how to behave in order to protect the faith that we have. But of course, I can't explain this any better than he himself can, so let's read from Scripture. Ephesians 4, verses 17 to 32 in the NIV say, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must live no longer, as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger... Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands so that they might have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, all anger and rage, all brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. The temptation for us as believers is to give in and to live the way the world lives. To live in our sin the way everybody else does. To behave the way people who don't love Jesus do. But we know that this way leads to death. This behavior eventually will lead to the death of my soul. But the way God tells me to behave will lead to life. And not just a long life on this earth, but life eternal with Him. The way that the world behaves, constantly chasing things that will make them feel good in the moment, will eventually kill and destroy their souls, not just for now, but for eternity. The way God asks us to behave, which we call the law, is put there so that we will stay away from sin and we will not lose our faith and wind up spiritually dead and lose our opportunity to spend eternity with him. And that means we have a choice. We can either follow where Jesus leads and live forever, or we can turn our backs on our Savior, live the way the world lives, and lose our souls. When Paul tells young men to be self-controlled, it isn't because God doesn't want us to have fun or to ruin our life or because some pastor, parent, or teacher somewhere wants to control us and keep us in line. That's not what the law is about at all. It's not about being good enough or to earn God's love or proving that we have genuine faith or even just because it's the right thing to do. The purpose of the law is simply this, to keep you and me walking toward Jesus and toward heaven 
person to walk in that way of life and not turn from it so that we don't get lost along the way. And so, because we love and respect the Creator who gave us life and made us men, and because we want to spend eternity with Him, we're going to do what He says. That is self-control. And believe me, self-control is not always easy. Especially when we've gotten used to living the way that the world lives. Chasing down sensuality, as Paul said. It's not easy to break the bonds of sin, and it's never easy to sever those ties that sin has bound around our hearts. But the closer we follow him, the easier it becomes. That load gets lighter, and instead of stumbling along and tripping along the way, we eventually begin to run. We run into the arms of our Savior, the Savior who is waiting to take us to be with him. And that is the goal at the end of the road. This way of life that we talk about ends in Jesus' open and waiting arms. And he says, I don't want to lose you as you go along this path. I don't want you to stray and get lost along the way. I want you to take a direct path into my arms so that I may embrace you in my arms of love, so that I might take you to be with me forever. I've already done the work. All you must do is believe. And as sinful men, quite frankly, we should be terrified of the day we lose our faith. And that's why we live so carefully and so carefully and closely follow the laws of God. Not because we're trying to be good enough or earn it, but simply because we want to protect the faith that we've been given. So next time somebody reminds you to control yourself or you start to feel your own world spinning out of control, remember why we behave the way that we do as Christian men. It's not because we want to be good. It's not because we expect some special blessing or an easy life in response or return. It's not even because we're supposed to behave. We behave ourselves because not only do we know where we're going, but by the grace of God, we know exactly how to get there. Fellas, I love you. I pray this is a blessing to you. Have an awesome week. And go be the man that God created you to be.